Welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm Jill Funky, Communications Manager at Sioux Nation Ag Center, and we are so glad you found us. Sit back and listen as our staff hosts welcome guests from all aspects of the livestock production industry. It's our mission at Sioux Nation to arm regional, small, and medium producers with all of the resources we can put in front of them. And now, on with the program. Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Ag Center staff host, Jill Funky. And once again, Sioux Nation's own Dr. McHarding joins us on the program. This time we're going to talk about preparing for the calving season. So once again, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So it's only snowed once so far this season. I'm sure that cold weather is just around the corner. And then it has us thinking about calving season. And so... Dr. Mick, I just want to kind of have a talk about how we can prepare for calving season. One of the things we do on the podcast a lot is just to try, just always be planning ahead because that just always seems to be something that will help a livestock producer maybe better navigate some of those things as they come up. I don't know about you, Dr. Mick, but I'm always glad when I plan ahead for something. Yeah, if you can do that, plan ahead, maybe, you know, at least know your start date. (laughs) hopefully (laughs) so you know well why are we going to try to plan ahead because we want to minimize calf loss the window is also large right because all the producers are at a different timetable one of the first things i want to talk about is what are the nutritional needs of a bred heifer or a cow prior to calving and so what do we need to be thinking about well, obviously, they got to be in a positive energy balance going into. The, they need the energy. Uh, there's there's nothing that draws on a heifer or a cow more than lactation. We got to prepare for that. You know, thin cows won't milk as well, and colostrum quality will decrease accordingly. And either a heifer or a cow, the heifer probably needs to be fed a little more. She's still growing, and so there's a double need there. But the it's lactation what we're feeding for. So. It's a good time to inventory your feedstuffs, maybe see what you're going to be feeding them, get them tested or, or whatever, and have a nutritionist balance those rations and instead of probably me guessing about exactly what they should be fed. What's our goal for the body conditioning scoring? Oh, there's a table out there, one to nine. Um, gives you a pretty good idea. One is obviously your very, very thin animal and Nine is your overly fat one. Normally, we shoot for what they call a body condition score around, I would say, five plus or minus half a point there. It's kind of what we aim for. Know where the ribs are, but you can't necessarily count them all. The covering on the backbone. And one easy way to tell when it gets cold, actually, is uh, the adult animals that have frost on their back. Those are the ones that are fermenting mm-hmm. properly, digesting properly, you might say, and they're producing heat and and hence they'll have uh, snow or ice kind of frozen on their back. I know that one of the tips or some advice is that livestock producers might consult with a veterinarian like yourself on their whole herd health plan. What are some of the critical management points that you're going to talk about with that producer to improve their whole herd health? What would you review, I guess, with a producer at this time about their plan? Well, of course, being a veterinarian, the first thing I always think about is vaccines. Along with that, there's a lot of work going in fetal programming or development and how those cattle are fed, protein contents, 
how it affects the calf and its lifelong health. You know, some of them are destined to a feedlot, so we're only talking 18 months or something. And some of those, the females or maybe a bull, are, are destined to enter our herd. So we're looking at lifetime deals that it's been proven. We can make changes how we feed that animal before it, quote, hits the ground comes back to improving colostrum quality and if that animal's not adequately fed do we start how well are our vaccines working and then with that then how is our colostrum quality and hence the lifetime performance of that animal with poor colostrum is is definitely hindered Right. And you mentioned vaccines. And luckily, we've had you on the program before to talk about vaccines. So any of our listeners that want to brush up on that can go back to one of our previous episodes and hear everything that we had to say about vaccines just not so long ago. So that was great. The other thing that we should maybe be looking at is what about the calving facility itself? Well, get it cleaned out, get it ready, because obviously, you know, whatever your calving date is, it probably starts a month ahead of time, you know, as, as uh, that's kind of when the twins kind of start rolling in. The way this year's playing out, it looks like harvest should be done for those that farmers and have cattle, which most of us on this side of the state will do, of course, you know, as you get further west, maybe it's more just a straight cattle ranch. Get the facilities cleaned up. Make sure you have clean water buckets in a calving facility for bringing your individual animals in. Or if you're in a small yard or whatever, have the ground level, flat, dried if you can. So the the calf has a better chance than if it's just not taken care of. You know, if you you have a, a calving pen or facility, make sure the head gate's working properly, oil it. If you need to uh, have a cow adopt its calf quicker, you might say some of those can be problems, or you need to graft a calf on another cow. If you, if you have those facilities ready, it's just less frustrating, you might say. And what about like some of the supplies? Like what's your go-to things in your kit then? Oh, if we're not, if we're going to go beyond vaccines, everybody has maybe some oral vaccines or something they might give a calf. Some do nothing. Some might give a shot of some way or something, but uh Uh, Staying out of vaccines and just talking about supplies, you know, you want to make sure you have your calf pulling equipment, chains, you know, make sure those are readily available so you don't have to go hunt for them. As far as things when the calf hits the ground, maybe if you're ear tagging immediately, have, have that stuff ready. As far as like some people will spray navels if they can. I was always maybe a fan of, of the stronger iodine. I don't know if you can get that as much anymore. But iodine sprays to the navel, and probably the big one I forgot is the colostrum. Make sure you have colostrum on hand replacement. There are actually colostrum replacers, and then there are colostrum supplements. The replacer is, quote, supposed to replace if the calf doesn't get any colostrum. The supplements are, you know, designed for, we don't know for sure if this, it got enough colostrum or good quality colostrum. And a person can make an argument that every every calf born to a heifer probably should have a supplement. Sure. And I don't think anybody would be wrong. And then I was thinking like the bottles. I don't know, like on my farm, where those bottles go after the last time? Did, you know, are they cleaned out? Where are those? Where's a flashlight? You got a flashlight? Oh, it doesn't have batteries. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I see that. I, yeah, I guess I see that from the backside. I'd be a terrible calf raiser. I mean, they they need a nurse, not a vet, you might say. And I think most women are probably the best at raising calves that I've been around. And have your bottles ready, tubers or whatever. Make sure they're clean. 
all too well. I think the dairy calf raisers realize the importance right. of, well, of they're doing cleanliness, it. but they're doing it. They're doing it all the time. They're doing right, it twenty four seven around right. the clock. And but hey, we can take a little of that knowledge, and it's got to be important to the you know in the beef animal too. You're exactly right. How do I, as a producer, know when I need to step in and help with that birth? The old rule of thumb that I was taught. And it was kind of surprised me. It was, it was backwards. And I think this study came years ago out of Oklahoma. Basically, with an adult cow, when you see a water bag or signs of coming birth, and nothing proceeds in a half hour, intervene. Now, with a heifer, it's exact opposite. You can wait an hour. Yeah, that seemed backwards to me, but it kind of makes sense if you think about it. So basically, if nothing's proceeding in a half hour in a cow, nothing's proceeding in an hour in a heifer, you should probably think about intervening, at least get ready to go. If you think about it, it makes sense. A cow should been there, done that. Right. Should go a little quicker. And a heifer, you know, first time, they're a little fidgety, What you know, and whatever. But basically a half hour for a cow, an hour for the heifer. When should I call you? Well, I always like <laughs> them to reach in first and figure things out. Okay. And, and, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, after that, you know... It, Probably the sooner the better. It's a lot of calving calls probably aren't the emergency that you would think they are, but the biggest emergency I would deal with on a, that you drop your stuff and you you go as quick as you can is is the uterine prolapse, which comes out after that calf. And so we could be having these calves, and you and I have talked about this in a previous episode, but we could be having these calves. In the cold, for goodness sake. What are some of the ways that we can help those calves? They're coming from a wonderfully warm environment, and then they're born in, oh, you know, a Midwest winter. Yay! So what are some of the things that we can do to help them stay warm and prevent full-blown hypothermia? Well, they're obviously, they're heater boxes, purchase. Some people make them. Don't get them too hot, too. You can have the opposite effect, and people have brought them into the house, throwing them in the bathtub, uh, warm water, you know, whatever to warm them up. And if you end up with the worst-case scenario, it would be maybe some frozen ears or a tail or something, but we don't want to freeze the feet. So, yeah, if you can have a facility where the cows get in, the close-up cows, you know, you can't bring them all in. Maybe some people can, but your larger producers... You know, you might be set up to bring maybe eight or ten in, which is a big facility. Be vigilant. Cameras are out there available. Yeah. You know, a lot of people I know now have cameras, especially maybe uh, purebred or high-dollar uh, replacement-type stock. But most producers know they're getting up through all hours of the night and, and uh, doing it. But uh, And I will have to say, I would sacrifice my hair dryer knowing the price of calves. <laughs> we did a different episode about preparing your herd for the wintertime challenges that come our way in the Midwest. But we need to kind of touch on that wind protection and the clean, dry environment during this process. Yeah, it's probably where your bedding is probably more important if you're in a pen where you're not going to be, if you just have them in the open, which is nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I would argue maybe that's that's even better than bringing them in. But right. that's where your bedding can come into play. Heifers probably aren't as smart. They'll go somewhere and drop it in a mud puddle if you'd let them. But uh, if you can have a dry area where at least, you know, the as the calves get moving, they got a pl- dry place to lay, a warmer place. So that's maybe where your corn stalk or bedding comes into play, especially during calving. Is there anything else that I missed 
when we're talking about being prepared and what to expect and what we can do now to make the calving process as, as seamless as we can. Calf shelters, too, those, those can be good where the calves can go in and escape. Same token with those, you do have to go peek into those because when they're sick, they tend to hide in there, too, and don't come out. So it can be a good way to maybe corral one that that has scours or whatever. And, and with the scours, you know, another thing to have on hand would be electrolytes. We didn't talk about that. That's the post-calving part where we can go to a higher quality electrolyte to a lower quality, but even if you don't have electrolytes, you can just drench them with water. I mean, any way to get fluids in them, but but electrolytes are the better choice. They have your acid-base balances if you get a bicarb that comes in them. Well, our producers out there... They're looking forward to calving every year. The end result's awesome. Getting there is sometimes very, very frustrating, but I think having a plan and then taking a minute to prepare to have some of those things on hand, like we talked about, minimize death loss and really producer stress. So I want to thank you for being here today. My pleasure. And I want to thank all of our listeners once again for joining in. And we're going to catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate.